0: The following programme contains adult themes and strong language and is intended for a mature audience. Now on Drama on News Talk, writer and performer Shane Casey plays Daryl as he takes us on a magic realist road trip across Ireland in this contemporary story of a young man lost in The Man Who Talks to Statues.
1: Everybody's going down and high. Just the food for staying home and having none. I can't get over how she set me free. Oh, long
2: so
3: me. Er <coughs> effect is I'm going out. There's no problem talking to statues. It's when the statues start talking back. That's when we have a problem. Now, before I start, I need to be clear and I need to be honest. I was in some state, I was in some condition. Well, my life was. I just crashed my dad's car somewhere outside Canturk. I would an abscess on a top tooth on the left-hand side of my face My zippo was out of oil so I was hanging for a fag and I'd some sort of stone or pebble in my right boot. Brown Panama Jacks my mother had bought me for my 30th birthday. The 30th birthday was just kind of getting over. Not in the drink or drug sense but a kind of a I'm 30 now kind of way. 30 and still flirty. That's how the car ended up at a 47 degree angle at a crossroads outside Cantor. Getting over a bad break up. I'd got an app on my phone and, well, I was in correspondence with a girl from Canturk, well, the Canturk area. Her kids were away with their dad and an invitation was extended to me to call her around. She had a lovely profile picture and a packet of Dorito heatwaves and strawberry cheesecake haggendass was suggested by her as a snack for me to pick up in the topaz on my way around. Now there was no promise of anything. She informed me her friend Karen had been told that I was calling in case I got the notion of decapitating her like Jebediah Springfield. No, I only say this because this is all about statues really and not me and you have a statue reference now already. So anyway, I'm bombing along in my dad's Mondeo radio blasting snacks in a bag for life on the passenger seat. Dad, CDs are getting a blast as there's something wrong with the radio so Clifford T. Ward is on at almost full volume his biggest hit, Gay spelt G-A-Y-E is playing and I'm thinking this would be the perfect song for a car crash in some indie film some indie film starring Kate Winslet and your man from the Damned United the fellow who played Brian Clough how their marriage was breaking down and she storms off from some dinner party when the penny drops about. Something. Something we haven't enough information on. Something we won't figure out for another hour into the film. Oh, Michael Sheen. Yeah, that's the guy who played Brian Clough. Toby Jones can play our brother. And I'm seeing her car crash. Empty seat flying through the air. Car spinning and flipping, bits of glass, sexy nighttime light, pure tasty effects, speeding up and slowing down of the song by an underrated artist, if you ask me. Then I get a belt of a two litre bottle of Coke into the side of the head, bashing my ear while it's at it, and the pain snaps me out of my dream and back into my own car crash, smashing my arm, my leg. Dashing my chance of getting my leg over to nil. Spinning and flipping all hope of my dad not knowing I took his car out. Out the window with the ice cream. For fuck's sake, I say to myself. You're an awful idiot." The car crash was fierce dramatic. You'll have to trust me on that. Glass and shit. It's Friday and my folks only went on holidays yesterday. So they're not going to ring home for another few days. I'm grand, but the car is fucked. Part of me wants to be mangled up in it. I'm sick of myself as it is. This isn't the cherry on top. This is the bun. Everything else is the icing. The lack of work, the break-up with the ex, the repeat visits to the dole office, welfare office, post office. I should have stayed in bed. So much for the doctor's advice. Just get up and make your bed. For once he was wrong. I'd be better off in bed. The horn I had driving down the road is well and truly gone. Clifford T. Ward is still playing on the car radio, but it's skipped to the next song. I'm not waving, I'm drowning. (laughs) I know the feeling, buddy. God, you are a funny fucker all the same, I think. You don't say much, but when you do, (laughs) sharp out like. Well, I don't have to wash the car now, anyway. It looks like a sandwich I'd throw away in secondary school, well, the tin file around it. <laughs> I tried to light a cigarette. No oil, I discover. Talk about a kick when you're down. But I can feel my face, still swollen and that stone in my boot, nagging things. But I can feel again. Even if it's a pinch or a pain, I can feel again. I'm feeling something. I feel alive. This might be the best thing that's ever happened to me. I'm alive! Chief. I ring Bernadette and I say, Colette, I'm not going to make it tonight, girl.
0: It's Bernadette.
3: Sorry, Bernadette. Well, did you ever see Casino Royale?
0: Yeah, what about
3: it? Yeah, well, the car crash. What? The car crash, the flips, well, that kind of thing.
0: Daryl, were you in a crash?
3: I was, Yeah.
0: Jesus.
3: I know, it's a fucking balls. I better ring the guards.
0: Daryl, are you okay?
3: Me? Oh, I'm grand. Thanks for asking. I'm in an awful state and a bit of a pickle too. The radio is still playing and there is smoke or steam baiting around the place and the two front lights are cross-eyed, a bit like the Batman lamp, catching the steamy smoke. And the music is gentle enough, and the brake lights are stuck, and there's a fierce ambience about the place, and it's not lost on me. I drink it in. There is a stream somewhere close, but I can't for the life of me find it, although I can hear it. I wash off the blood from my face with the bottle of Coke. It was fizzy when I opened it, and flat when I took a sup, 200 yards down the road when I turned right. I suppose it was a mile up the road before I found the house. A real shit bungalow. Pure 70s thing. Grey bricks on top of each other. A little porch area you could step into. I didn't like the vibe of the place. Bad vibes. Something familiar. Gareth met Nora when he was 14. Blah, blah, blah.
2: Dead baby. Biscuitin wrapped in a green plastic coal bag
3: Like a documentary on Nightline or something Early 90s RTE vibe Shitting myself on my own to be honest My imagination filling in the blanks as I knock on the door again Tumble dryer effect I had in the car might have affected my judgement But I felt the best thing I could do was break into the house my imagination is filling in the baby story with different characters as I flick on lights and creep urgently around the bungalow. Burnt coal-marked lino in the kitchen. Yellow cigarette marks, too, just in front of the fire, giving the floor an unintentional marble effect. The walls were thick with a gloopy tar of old smoke, almost laminated with it. That's where he sat. Some old guy I invented, grey, unkempt, but ultimately harmless, lost.
0: But how could she tell him what happened? It would kill him!
3: My fake story was building in my head with each room. Like a Tetris game on an old phone. My nerves were at me. I had to get out. I found the keys to the car under an old Ireland's Own magazine and decided to steal it. I was going to write a note, but I couldn't find a pen. And with the TV presenter, Derek Davis, staring at me from the cover of the magazine...
1: What about you? I didn't go looking for a pen. The Peugeot 206 is probably one of the most underestimated cars of the 90s. Something I could never understand. In recent years, it has a bit of a following. While the 80s Golf is a cult in itself, the 206 is a little like the James Bond film On Her Majesty's Secret Service. Initially flying under the radar, its followers are now growing too. In its environment, i.e. right now, this is one of the fastest cars money can buy. There's always the sense that you don't need to really slow down for the corners. You can just, in fact, put the foot down and go around them even faster and it just hangs on. They tell me this part of cork is absolutely beautiful. But I'm sorry, I really don't have time to look.
3: I pulled into Limerick about quarter past eleven. I hadn't planned on going to Limerick, but I wanted to open up the car a little bit and I got carried away. I almost clipped the dog outside Kilmallock. I'm glad I didn't. That would have really messed up my night. You see, I'm a dog person. Oh, fuck, the dog. <phone rings> Carl, could you throw a couple of sausages over the wall to feed the dog? Uh
2: Yeah, sure. Do you want me to cook them?
3: I don't bother. He'll be grand. Shree's the stomach of a bull.
2: Are you sure?
3: Well, if you're going to fry them, will you sort out some rashers too? Uh, I'll sort you out for them. Ah, you're very good. I'm not disturbing you, no am I?
2: No, no, you're fine. Are you okay?
3: Ah, you're very good uh, No, I put no for him It's too spicy He'll be fierce, gassy And then he gets that embarrassed look And then I get up with myself Because I fed him And I'm off farm for a day or two Because I'm odd with myself Listen, thanks for that fella uh,
2: Not a bother
3: Where was I? Ah uh, yeah, Limerick Limerick was like Limerick fierce odd area up around the train station slash bus station couple of odd looks in the first bar when I stuck my head into the paper
1: (laughs) that's my paper sure I didn't know that did I
3: I probably said that a bit louder than I needed to that didn't go down well at all I was on to my second or third point only and I could feel the eyes on me I knew it was getting to the point that the barman was going to refuse me a drink, so I did what any sensible fellow would do. I went up to the jukebox and I banged a load of coins into it. Then I ordered another pint. He'd seen this move before, but he gave me the pint. Some would say it was a snaky move. Others would say it was very clever. Anyway, I had a eye on the emergency exit. This lecturer in college, he used to say, always have an escape route. No need to be a clever lad like Jack Reacher when you can just walk out the door. Two things are going to happen in 90 seconds. That phone is going to ring and you're going to be wearing those cuffs. I got the fourth point anyway and I took a good sup of it. I was getting to the end of it and the barman took it off me.
1: Whoa, 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 whoa. I
3: wasn't finished with
2: that. I know. You'd want to fuck off now. Why? You're being a smart arsenal with the jukebox. What? How much did you put in? Why? Because I'm going to give it back to you now. Stupid songs.
1: They're not stupid. The Venga Boys. So? And repeat. Three times. Ah, no, 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 no. I put on Cat Stevens too.
3: Sorry, sorry. Yusuf Islam... That's what he goes by now. But we won't talk about religion, what? I was going for a team. Travel. The Vengebos. Peace Train. Gladys Knight and the Pips are going to be on the bit. Tracy Chapman, too. They're not stupid songs, they're very emotive songs. Do you mind me asking, is there a rule about putting on the same song twice? Three times. I only put it on twice. Three times. Well, that was only an accident, no. I only intended to put it on twice. Are you sure I put it on three times? Three times, I'm telling you. All right, all right, all right. But the third time was definitely a mistake. Too right was a fucking mistake. Did I curse at you? No.
1: You're a bit of a prick, are you? Did I,
3: or the barman, invite you into this conversation? So now you are imposing yourself on this conversation. Stay out of it. Look, barman, I only put a few songs on, that's all. I said nothing to anyone. The points are lovely, and I would have loved to have finished the one that you just poured down the sink. But that's in the past. I put my hand out for him to shake as I stepped up onto the brass rail that runs around the bottom of the bar. The crew sat at the bar, all looked at Dan behind the bar. A big barrel-chested man, twice the size of me. He should have been a Dan anyway. White shirt rolled tightly at the elbows, grey hair on a red-nosed gorilla head, gut contained elegantly under the shirt while hanging imposingly over grey slacks like an avalanche. Snow on slate, waiting and wanting to go. The eyes, oh, the eyes, I could feel it, the eyes darting back and forth from our audience, looking at him, then at me, then back to him again. I could see him thinking, will I shake his hand in front of all of them, Or will I turn his hand away? Will I lose my power or status? Although I doubt status was in his vocabulary. I just smiled as I leaned half on the bar, hand extended. He dried off his big shovel hands with a dirty tea towel. Now is he going to grab me by the throat and snap my head off or shake my hand? He chose the latter. The song was coming to an end and we shook hands. I smiled a big smile as the song comes to an end. And then it started again.
2: You feckle. You put it on again!
1: Uh. 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 Still with it!
3: After the pub and armed with a bag of chips, I strolled the streets of Limerick. I spot a bunch of students, probably student teachers, swinging and climbing a statue of a gentleman in a, a medieval costume. A king's costume. A statue of a king. Come down out of that. Come down, come down, come down, come down. You well. Cream of the country. Tick and rich. Hmm. Richard Harris. Oh, my dad has your CD in the car. Well, what's left of it? I do appreciate what you've just done for me. That's grand. Sure I hate litter bugs myself. Going to rest here for a bit, yeah?
1: Rest the feet, yeah? I'm shattered. I might even close the eyes for a second. Cheesy chip? No. Yeah, they're not great in fairness. It's not cold at all, really, is it?
3: That Nostradamus fella was right. You can't even tell what season it is, can ya? Or is it a limerick thing? It's
1: not cold at all. It's true. It's true. The Crown has made it clear. The climate must be perfect all the year. The law was made a distant moon ago here. July and August cannot be too hot. And there's a legal limit to the snow here
3: in Camelot. Sorry to break it, you know, but you're not in Camelot at all. This is Limerick City, kid. No, it might have been the drink. It might have been the blows to the head. It might have been the car crashed a few hours before. But here I am playing racquetball with Richard Harris around the streets of Limerick at half past four in the morning. The game was played at a ferocious pace. Glass fronts of shops and banks became the floor, folded over on themselves like a kaleidoscope of concrete, bricks and glass beautifully turning in and out of themselves, like that paraspid of the film Inception. We were dancing on the border of a cinematic cliche, racket in hand, ball flaking through the air, that trumpety Hans Zimmer music adding an unnecessary tension as the lead went back and forth across the roofs of the grid system of Limerick. I felt focused and stronger than ever, my opponent bringing out the best of me, and I'd say modestly I did the same to him. His skills learned on the sand of Kilkee Beach, mine on the streets of Cork a few days after Wimbledon was on the telly. I lost count of the game and, I admit, I didn't quite know the rules. I had to clean off the ball after it went into a gutter down a laneway behind an old theatre.
1: This isn't an ideal space for a game. It's not the plastered walls of Kilkee Beach. Alright. Tivoli Cup champion.
3: The fog must have rolled up from the River Shannon as the smog dropped down from the rooftops. Like a Frank McCourt novel, but dry. I just caught a glimpse of the statue of Terry Wogan keeping the score of the game.
1: Forty-40. 40-40 love. 1-2. 2-2-1. 15-1. 15-love. Score. Game house. Harris
3: King. 40-40. Then I heard a crack from the distance. A gunshot, or a slitter hitting a hurley. Sweet
1: baby Jesus,
3: they got me, the bastards. Wogan hit the ground with a copper dink, or a thud. Myself and Harris ran to him like gorillas in the mist, but the smog fog was like, like a soup at this stage. Wogan's cries were interrupted by another crack. Harris stopped in his tracks and caught me broken glass. Jesus, we're under attack, are we? Shut up, man. Harris handed me the red racquetball with his initials on it. Guard that with your life, boy. Then he knelt into a rugby position, anticipating something, something I didn't know was someone, two people in fact. Wogan's whimpers grew faint. Harris moved forward. Terry, are you all right, Terry? Terry! Someone flew past me, knocking my shoulders into a spin. Who's that? I imagined two IRA men from the 1920s with trench coats, but the cracks weren't gunshots, but a hurley connecting with a slitter, and then the slitter connecting with Terry Wogan on the roof of St Augustine's Church. His fall was like Quasimodo from Notre Dame in Paris. It was the two sporting figure statues I passed that evening on my way down the street. Harris was in full flow now, and with the scars on his face already, one across his eyebrow and one across his nose. Get back! Get back! I joked to him gently, You're the bull! You're the bull! You're the bull! We We want the the ball, Harris. We want want the the ball. ball. The two, shoulder to shoulder, one with a hurley across his chest, the other with a rugby ball and a folded nose and ear. Isn't one ball enough, ye? It's the slither I want. want. Sure you two aren't fit for tiddlywinks. That didn't go down well at all. Harris began to walk to the bigger of the two and he began to sing the monster rugby anthem, Stand Up and Fight. He whipped the rugby ball from the larger chap and sidestepped him and took off down O'Connell Street, his shoulders growing with each step, the ball firmly tucked under his arm. ''Corkman!'' he shouted back. ''Yeah?'' ''Run, you langer, run!'' Now, I didn't know if he was telling me to run away or not, but I passed the other two as they chased Harris, wogan up again with the enthusiasm of a good Eurovision song. ''Harris makes a break, sidestepping the buffoon, just passing the halfway line. It's Harris at the 22 or 50. I don't quite know why, but he's running towards the other side of O'Connell Street. The rugby shirt he wears has a red tint and the ground a greenish hue. The amber lights of O'Connell Street grow in height and intensity. And Harris is in full flow now, making his way down O'Connell Street. A try for Harris
1: and a try for Munster. Harris wins the European Cup for Monster on O'Connell Street.
0: This is Drama on News Talk, and this is the man who talks to statues.
3: I went back to the car and I threw the keys under it, so I knew that I'd have to stretch in the morning. It's good to stretch in the morning, especially after a night of racquetball.
2: Morning has broken.
3: I got one of those breathalysers in a chemist or a pharmacy, depending on your social background. I drove to get it, in fairness. Clown. I got a bottle of water, a toothbrush, some toothpaste, mouthwash, a Lynx Africa, a plastic comb and one of those glucose candy stick thingies that look a bit like an iron bar that you put into the foundation of a house. Those... Lucas-Aid glucose thingies don't taste anything like Lucas-Aid So I said that to the girl behind the counter Those Lucas-Aid glucose thingies don't taste anything like Lucas-Aid That's false advertising, that
0: is Will you be paying by cash or card?
3: Oh, cash Cash is king Cash is king Oh, I um, I have to pick up my prescription too while I'm at it
0: Oh, you're a long way from home, Darren.
3: That's neither here nor there
0: That'll be about 15 minutes.
3: (laughs) I went next door to the pub, ordered a toasted ham, cheese and onion sandwich and went into the jacks to freshen up. A blast of Lynx Africa first was a bad move. The toilet was so small, no ventilation. I brushed the teeth and I used a mouthwash too. I turned my underpants inside out and walked back into the lounge. I had a bottle of Lucashead and a bag of crisps with the sandwich. I scanned the eyes over a newspaper and had half a chat with an old fella at the bar. Now, to be honest with you, I didn't know if the old fella was simple or thick, but I gave him the benefit of the doubt. Why, no, yeah. It is. He probably will. Sure, if he does that, we're all fucked. Well, that's football for you, I suppose. Money spoiled the game. I gave it a good 25 minutes before I left to go back to the chemist. The old fella insisted on shaking my hand before I left the bar.
2: Lovely talking to you.
3: And all that. Sound, ya yeah. Hello. Is my prescription ready yet? And do you have hand sanitizer? She gave me a little bottle of the stuff and I got stuck into it straight away. One of the actual pharmacists. Called me to one side as I was rubbing my hands together. (laughs) I looked like a cartoon junkie about to get my fix. Um, are you
2: aware that you can't take these with alcohol? What? The main component in these tablets is Transeltopan. Blah, blah, blah. And they can have adverse effects. Let me stop you there now.
3: Who said anything about
2: alcohol? Well, you... Well, you what? You came in here and bought a breathalyzer.
3: Who said I had drink on me? Don't be jumping to conclusions. Did she say I was drinking? I come in here to collect the prescription and you take me to one side like you're, you're going to bring me into that little room and give me the green stuff in a little cup. Who said I was drinking? Who said the Brett was for me? Who said the prescription was mine? Maybe I'm collecting it for a family member. Who said I was driving? Conclusions. The lot of them. That's what you're jumping to. Who knows? Maybe I'm a rep for a major pharmaceutical company, travelling the highways and byways, meeting doctors and surgeons and major medical heads, just just freshening up because I left my travel bag back into Burlington yesterday morning. You've jumped to a conclusion. I know all about these tablets, my friend. I I could go back in there now and tell you about every one of them. Ridiculous, Carrie, on this patronising. I'm glad I know better. I spot the old fella from the pub outside the window. He sees me and I wave. The pharmacist he says sorry a few times but I tell him it's fine.
0: You can hang on to the hand sanitizer. It's on us.
3: But I insist on paying for it because I'm bigger than that. The old fella is in a duffel coat Hello again, my friend. That's a class jacket. Vardy Liam Gallagher.
2: It's a quart.
3: All the same, it's class. That's a proper brown-like.
2: Any chance of a lift down the road? Just down the road? Ah, this is great now. Oh, great. Bucket seats. Cool. Car, tractor, car, car, van, car, van, bus. Do you have to do that? No. Car, bus, car, car. Can you stop with the vehicles, please? OK. House, house, bungalow, dormer bungalow, village, shop. Jesus! Well, it's I can't see him yet. He's on the cross, is he? Sure, where else would he be? <laughs> all around you. He's all around us. Why <laughs> oh, fear for that later. Bell another one. Shop, butcher shop. Bell pub, funeral home, co-op. George, you have great eyes. The is on the cross, and his mummy too. And our buddies feel upset. They were a great support to her. Some kind of factory, school, big school, small school. Oh, look at the smallies in the yard. Will we grab one of them? What? What? What did you say? What? What
3: did you say? When? Just then? When? No. Nothing. You said something. Go on. What did you say? Go on. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I might have said
2: something about the post office. What did you say? An awful shame to see all the post offices. You down. didn't say that. What did I say? You know what
3: you said. About the schools and the kids. I'm lost. Too right, you're fucking lost.
2: No, I'm lost. I don't know where we are now. Well, where will we know? Stay on the subject. What subject? The subject we were talking about. Lost. Geography. This isn't the Cork Road, is it? You've gone the wrong way, man. Shut up and
3: listen to me now and stop your games. Lost bullshit. A minute ago, what did you say about the school? What did you say? What did you say about the kids? The
2: smallies? I'm confused. I don't know where I am. I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) Can we go home now? You said something back
3: there. I, I, I... I'm dropping you back there where I found
1: you. Back to the fucking city. You're playing the fool trying to make a a fool out of me. So just leave me by the, the bus stop back there in that town. By the school? Fuck off
2: like hell I will. Let me out of the car. Let me out of the car. Let me out of the car.
3: Grant, get out of the fucking carpet, I'm telling you. I've a care of duty. I know people. I'm marking it down, by. You're in the book. Take your fucking duffel coat with you. I found a really cheap hotel on Gardner Street in Dublin. It was handy that the guy on the desk didn't ask me for ID either. And he gave me a spot to park the car around the corner too. Later on I passed the statue of James Joyce and he was looking over at the GPO. He didn't say much to me. He had a walking stick and his side and his hat was tilted on his head and he had one button closed on his coat and he pointed me in the direction of a great Chinese restaurant. Crispy chicken chilli with peanuts. Lovely. Should I have thirst after that? I crossed over the Liffey after a few points. I wasn't going to throw my money away, so I stayed well away from Temple Bar. I had one pint in the Foggy Jew, or no, no two, and then I slipped down the laneway to the Stag's Head. I had two there... Then I ran across the road to the other bar. I can't remember the name of that. And then I made my way back to the Stag's Head for another one. And then I went around the corner and over across the road to the Long Hall on George's Street and had a couple there. I was thinking of my ex-girlfriend when I went into the Long Hall. I was thinking about a holiday we had together in London. The old Covent Garden. I remembered it well. And suddenly I get this wave of emotion over me. And then it's gone. I'm surrounded by people and it's loud, and the atmosphere gets sucked out of the room. I'm like an ant, but beige. And no one's ringing my phone tonight. Nobody's ringing me. I feel like I'm behind a perspex sheet of glass or plastic or, or whatever perspex is. I can see everything and if anything, my senses are heightened. I can see a drip from the brandy optic, slowly form and then fall. I'm surrounded by people but so alone. My chest is hollow and my energy is shallow, a space vacuum, it's like a hoover has sucked everything out of the room and I'm in my own bubble, so someone pierce it please. I was at a concert once. And I got the same feeling and I just wanted to go home. Look, I'm not feeling this. Can someone get me out of here, please? I just, you know... But you can't leave. The rain starts coming down and I wish I had a better coat. The boots my mum got me are holding up well. Fade Street. Drury Street. Bow Lane. I'm going the wrong way, am I? Shades of Dublin. I double back and I ask myself... Is this Sunday or a Monday? A woman leans out of a window above me.
0: It's Sunday, love. It's Sunday.
3: Thick Dublin brogue. I say thanks, and I check to see if I've enough money in my pocket to scrape together to go up to her for an hour or so. But before I have time to add it up, I hear her sash window close suddenly, hands in my pocket. This should be close to Grafton Street, I think the Royal College of Surgeons. I am just a
2: cowboy
1: Lonesome on the trail Starry night The campfire light The coyote call
3: And the howling winds wail So I'll ride out to the old sundown He pinched his coat closed at the top and the collar was turned up and I could only see one of his eyes, the left eye. He had two silver earrings and a moustache too and I'd comfortably say he was the most handsome Irishman I'd ever seen. I was thinking of you a minute ago when I was in the Long Hall bar for some reason. Yeah, Phil Linnet, is it? Something like that. Oh yeah, Linnet. Sorry, I heard something about that. Are you all right? I am, yeah.
1: Are you sure?
3: I've been on a bit of a mad one, to be honest with you, Phil. I feel a bit upside down. Would you like to talk about it? Ere no, I haven't quite figured it out myself, to be honest. Walk and talk, man. Walk and talk. So we did I offered him a cigarette but he declined I'd say I was talking some shit but he listened and nodded and then nodded and listened I came to a stop and I leaned on the railings Sounds like you've a bit of a jigsaw going on at the moment Yeah, that's it I can't seem to, um We've all been there Yeah, I can't, uh
1: Maybe I will have one of those cigarettes
3: I realised where I was we were at the side of Stephen's Green by the park. Come on, we go into the park for a game of soldiers. What? A game of army, like. I'll go with you, but I'm only going to feed the ducks. We climbed over the railings of the park and made our way over to the pond. The rain had stopped. It was a bright night and some of the ducks glided towards us across the pond.
1: Now don't quack, or you'll will wake them all and those bloody gulls.
3: Phil produced the sea through bag with some bread in it and broke off bits to feed the few ducks that were at his feet. Where did you get the bread? He just looked at me and handed me a few slices. You want to know where the bread really came from? Yeah. A bakery. <laughs> stupid joke, but I doubled over laughing and I almost fell into the pond, dragging Philo with me. Come here, I've another stupid question for you now. Hit me. You know that trumpety part of your song, Old Town? I do. It's a flugelhorn trumpet. Did you play that? I did not. I liked the piano part myself. Darren played that. And you should like it. It's your fucking song. Then, just like that, Philip pulls a flugelhorn trumpet out of the inside pocket of his coat and he hands it to me. What are you giving that to me for? I couldn't get the piano over the railings. And what am I supposed to do with that? Up into the barnstand and give it a blow. But I can't Ah, you can. Sure, all the ducks are awake now, and the bread is long gone. But I can't play it. You know how to whistle, don't you? Just put your lips
1: together and blow. <laughs> Hola! You wrote my life,
3: man. I mean, you actually wrote my life. Then the head of Countess Markovitch, which is on a pillar across the park, asked us to keep the noise down, please. And we did, as we walked around the park. Unusual time to be walking. Some noise from outside the park caught my attention. Some lights, too. There seemed to be some sort of commotion.
1: Look, I better go. I might see you around.
3: He started making his way across the park in the opposite direction of the Shelburne. He looked like some sort of Edwardian gentleman, a poet.
0: Could you please keep it down?
3: It's not us, Countess. But I tended to agree with her as there was a sound vibrating in my head. Philo looked back over his shoulder, and I knew I'd never see him again. Don't mind her, Phil. She doesn't know what she's on about.
2: Hello? Hello? Can you hear us? We're almost with you. We're almost with you. Stay with us.
3: Climbing the railing out of the park, I got a static shock, and another one when my feet hit the ground. A block of the street is lit up in the distance so blinding I turn my head to see a woman in a shawl pushing some sort of cart. Is that you making all that noise? She empties some shells out of her basket. I light a cigarette. The brightness from the street lets me have a proper look at her but we're still in the darkness of an early morning. I offer her a cigarette and then realise who she is. I hear the screeching of a flare or a firework.
0: You need to come with me.
3: It's Molly Malone, but she doesn't look like Molly Malone. She looks more like... Sade. You know, that singer from the 80s, or was it the 90s? My dad had a compilation of her hits in the car on a CD. You
0: can't (laughs) go back there.
3: Back where? The park. What's going on? Are they construction workers or something?
2: Stay with us. Are you still with us? We can see you now. We are going to get you out.
3: Each block of Dublin is lighting up around us, making a loud spotlight-crashing-on sound as flares crackle in the sky and light up the night. It sounds like scramblers are darting up and down the neighbourhood streets looking for us.
0: You need to come with me. You can't go back.
3: Is this all because I stole a car?
0: No.
3: Is it because of the fight in the pub? Or the old man? I left him on the side of the road. I, I didn't do anything wrong.
0: You need to keep on moving. You need to run.
3: Run! She grabs me by the hand as we sprint past the shell barn, up the street. Street blocks lighting up behind us. The sound of motorbikes getting louder in my ear.
2: We're coming to get you now. We're coming to get
3: you. I don't want you to get me.
2: We are going to get you. We are going to help you. Hang on.
3: Are they motorbikes? Where are you taking me?
0: Somewhere safe. Where? Somewhere safe.
2: Just
3: hang on. I didn't do anything wrong. I just went on a bit of a trip. I'll bring back the car I took, I swear. I'll say sorry to the man, to the people in the bar, to my parents, to everyone. I'm afraid
2: you can't go back now It's too late You need to
1: come back now Before it's too late I didn't do anything wrong All I did was crash my father's car That's all I did (sighs)
0: Shit Whoa
3: (laughs) Did anyone ever tell you You look like Shade.
0: Stay with me. Talks to Statues was produced by Ruth Hayes, written and performed by Shane Casey, with additional cast including Michael Sands and Ruth Hayes. Directed by Brian Desmond, with sound design by Cormac O'Connor, and was supported by a grant from Commission Man with the television license fee. For more original radio drama, visit Newstalk.com.